0: That's true. That's true. There's also been... Previously on the Talk Talk Beer Podcast.
1: My
2: wife and I eventually plan to live out in the country, and we are going to have a retired cannon at the entrance to our property. And then when I move stuff around, I find out, like, oh, hey, this has been
3: back here for four years. I was given two tasks to do. I finished half of one task. So Brian, the college professor, would give me a 25. Let's get into this. We're Talk Welcome Talk Talk to the Talk Talk Beer Podcast. This is the first session of our 2017 recording season, and we intended it this way. That's right. We needed an eight-month break.
2: This was absolutely our plan the, the whole time, time.
3: The whole time. We were all about some rest and thinking of beer, and got a lot to talk about. A lot has happened since we last recorded, most specifically the 6,000-pound gorilla in bed buying Carbock.
2: That's true. That's true. There's also been some traveling about. Much we, traveling we've about. we all... been
3: far and in far-flung locations, we will be going to more of those and recording at them, I believe. we tried some new beers. I think we're right in the middle of Sierra Nevada beer camp season right now. Next week, we hit the start of the St. Arnold's tribute beers coming out. Brash yes. has done a tribute. the Heights has done a tribute. You'll be able to get those around down. So these are things that come out. They're here for about two or three weeks, and then they're gone, and you will not be able to get them again. You can probably buy yourself a, a growler of them and save them for a little bit, but they're definitely one-of-a-kind beers. I had a few of the beer camps Friday. I know that Gulshan, the dark mistress of beer, who joins us today, is hoping to catch some of the beer camps at Huey's, is that right? Yes, Huey's
4: on Wednesday. Huey's on Wednesday.
3: Let's talk about karbach and Indev, though, and you've had time to have cooler heads about this and think about it. My personal view is it's all going to depend on what the beer tastes like. I don't care if they have a corporate ownership. You know, I am looking just at the end product. And my analogy for this, Michael and I were talking about James Brown earlier. James Brown was a reprehensible human being. He beat his wife. He led cops on a 100-mile chase while he was high on crack cocaine across the Deep South. But ultimately, the music he was producing was always of high quality. So I'm viewing Carbot as the James Brown of beer.
2: As opposed to the Bill
3: Cosby. As opposed to Bill Cosby (laughs) of beer. This is correct. Because he he's just not funny anymore. No, and he did very poor quality work. <laughs> his brand was always on top of his game until the very, very end. So if Carbach if you can get Hoppedello in Chicago now, and Carbach keeps making quality beer, I'm not going to have a problem with any corporate ownership. Now, if Carbach and Budweiser and InDev together start taking up 90% of the space at my Kroger for beer display, we're going to have to talk about that, because that's going to be a problem. And that's how this works, is large brewers buy the smaller brewers and occupy more of your available retail space in the store. Professor, what do you think about (laughs) Invest Purchase of Carbox?
5: I'm just not a fan. I mean, I hate to get on a high horse about it, but really when you think about it, one of the things that made Carbox special was it was a Houston thing. And I'm glad that it's going to spread. I'm glad that more people get to experience it. But I would much rather have seen more organic growth And to see them team up with somebody who I think maybe even six months before, they would have called the evil empire just as much as anybody else. And so now it's like they're in cahoots. So how am I supposed to feel about purchasing beer from this local brewery who's now in the same league with InBev, who nobody likes for reasons that are particularly geared toward craft beer and its distribution and sales? It just doesn't make any sense.
2: Michael? Michael? yeah i i'm happy if they're happy and i make an assumption that they they you know they got the money they they got the deal they must be happy i think what's interesting to consider and when meredith and i were traveling and we we met a new brewer and he had a lot of questions about carbop we were in lubbock is that where we met we were in lubbock and love it plains brewing company in lubbock brand new brewery a really great guy named mickey who uh, invited, well, he invited Meredith over, and I just tagged along, um, on brew day. They were closed, and it was brewing day, and um, it turns out it's just him and his wife making beer, uh, trying to make a run at it. Anyway, he and I spent some time talking, and he had a lot of questions about the Carbot purchase, and he he was pretty up in arms about it. And I said, you know, I said, it's a little early to tell, Um, you know, so I fall on the side of let's wait and see, Uh, but what What I'm interested to see is after you get that kind of payout, you know, you you chase your dream, you catch your dream, you get paid for your dream, what do you do with that money afterwards? Like, might they not cast out and and kind of reboot and do something else? I think that would be kind of an interesting thing with, with, you know, we've seen the difference in in Houston and, and all over the country, really, the difference between having funding and not having funding when you want to start something. Um, and, we, and we've talked to, you know, on this podcast, um, different breweries with different, you know, different paths that they took. You, you look at Backfish and, you know, um, they have some backing there. No pun intended. You know, there was a, a good group of people there. And then you look at uh, City Acre. Uh, you know, they went their own way and it took a long time for them to get where they are. I, th- I think we're all happy about that. And I think they're happy about it. But at the end of the day. You know, if I can keep walking into Carbot Brewery and I can keep trying their experimental brews and I can keep uh, having them bring me amazing things like the frozen lemon ginger rattler that was brought to me the other day, um, you know, I'm kind of okay with it. I don't I you know, the concept of sellout, which is what I hear people talking about. You know what? I guess so. I dare you. I dare you to have somebody offer you millions of
3: dollars and say, no, I'm just going to keep doing it this way. Uh, Commerce wins. (laughs) Generally, large corporations hate risk, and I think the reason craft breweries work is that they take (laughs) risks. We know some craft breweries that, in general, do very good beer and once in a while do a dud. And we accept that, and they forget about it, and they move on to the next one. And maybe those risks are not taken when you have stockholders to be concerned about. But speaking of small breweries, we all went to Fetching Lab about a month ago, six weeks ago. Meredith, why don't you tell us about our trip down there?
0: So this is a brewery in Alvin and we had a rare opportunity to be there on a Saturday. They aren't always open because their parking situation is literally in a pasture, so if it rains, they can't have people out. We got to go. We have another trip planned for this coming Saturday. We hear they are open. The right. hopefully there won't be any rain in the forecast.
5: Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and the and the sushi stuff on the way there or on the way back wasn't bad either. It
3: was bad. We stopped into a sushi restaurant inside a Knights Inn, and we almost went on a dare. But I want to say the piece of peppercorn tuna nigiri that I had was larger than any I've had. It was a beautiful cut. It was moderately priced, and uh, we all sit here today living to tell the tale. So do not judge a sushi restaurant by its neighbors. I think that's the lesson that we got today here. Uh, Back to Fetching Labs, a beautiful pond, lake out back. I want to say three-acre pond, beautiful ducks swimming around. You can just park your camp chair back there. Get a couple beers, sit in the shade. People are super friendly. There's cows can- and goats. I want to say it's a good 45 minute drive right from downtown. It's a commitment. They're open till 5, so you get down there and have a few beers, have a designated driver, and have a good old time. One of our uh, mini stops as we try to hit every Houston area brewery, if you will. Uh, Question for the Dark Mistress, what's the best thing you've tried since we recorded last, say, six, eight months?
4: Ooh, I have been drinking many things since that time, but um, a couple weeks ago I went to Adelbert's Brewery in Austin, um, and they have quite a few delicious offerings. It's a neat little place, not too far from where my sister lives. And I'm not a fan of wit beers, but the tastiest thing that I had there was a mango wit, which, and it's just it's perfect for summer.
3: Nice. Check that. Any can you, that up you can just get in Austin? Or uh, around?
4: I don't know if they're selling it here. I don't think I've seen it at my Kroger.
3: Right.
4: So I'm not sure. Um, the one my brother in law likes best is called Philosophizer.
3: I haven't seen that in Houston.
4: Yeah.
3: Professor, what have you tried that you've especially liked in the uh, last half of your?
5: I don't know. I keep going, wind up finding myself back at Platypus to get their uh,
2: uh, was it Box Kick IPA. Box Kick is wonderful,
5: and they have a double IPA now that I think was well, I don't remember now the actual name, but it's something rugby related, but it's actually good as well.
3: Goshen cool was talking about Wits. We had been to Sigma for our last recording. Since then, they have a Wits that's out. I tried that at petrol station. Really big fan of that one, and I'll look up the name here while you guys are talking. Michael, what beer are you excited about? This one. Which is? I don't know. It's okay. delicious. It's cold. It's, cold, it's, it's here. Now, and it's a very hot day.
2: It's cold and it's here.
3: So, hitting the road. Otherwise, where else are we going to go? Where do you, where do you guys want to go? What's your, just, just, Mine's still uh, Lone Pine. I have not been to Lone Pine. Yet. I would like to go to Lone
4: Pine. I love
2: the yellow road. Yeah, we've been talking about cyclers for a while. Yeah. That's
3: the one that's super hard to find, right? It's hard
2: to find. They're, last we knew, they weren't really officially open to the public, but if you give them a call, they seem more than happy to have you come out and, and taste their beers. And record the podcast. I don't think they'd stop us.
3: Probably not.
4: They have a good ride IPA also.
2: Yes, they do. Ride Hard is what it's called. <laughs> <And> I, I <laughs> Really? <laughs> um, I just had
3: one yesterday at um, at the branch. Which is a new. So, welcome back to the podcast. We're here today at Providence on 20th in the Heights, and we're going to talk a little bit about where we are right now and the history of this building and their plans, what they're doing coming up. Bullshan well, will lead the way.
4: I'd like to welcome Ashley to the Talk.Beer podcast today. Thank you for speaking with us. Uh thank you for being here. So tell us a little bit about Providence. I noticed your tagline on the website is Sports, Spirits and Shenanigans. Um I think that
6: shenanigans came, we try we're trying to um, lessen the name Providence. It seems like a very serious name. Yeah. Um so we thought we'd throw shenanigans in there and make it seem a little more lighthearted. Um it, the name Providence is actually not this location, it's the as in God driven destiny. Oh, okay. Um is where the name Providence comes from, not the city. Um so, because Destiny's kind of a bad name for a bar. Providence <laughs> sounds better.
4: Tell us a little bit about Otis.
6: Uh, Otis is a product of our last bar. Um, he was a rescue from Raider's Pub. So,
3: so, is he a golden retriever, is that
6: He's right? a yellow lab. Yellow. A very chubby yellow lab. Don't feed Otis if you're up here. Oops. <laughs>
4: <laughs> he's a very lovely dog. He is. Was he earning his keep back there behind the bar?
6: Cleaning up the scraps, yes.
4: <laughs> So we understand there's an expansion project going on next door, can you tell us a little bit about that?
6: Uh, we're planning on taking in, there's a 1,700 square foot metal building um, on that side of the building. We're planning on putting a draft wall, um, a full bar, and opening the building up similar to an ice house. Um, we're going to have a walk up window for the barbecue so that during lunchtime when the bar is not open, we can still serve food. Um, it, we're hoping that it will be done in the next couple of months. Awesome. So.
4: Are you a fan of beer yourself, Ashley? I am. What do you like to drink?
6: I'm a fan of Pilsners, Mm -hmm. um, some wheats. So what am I drinking right now? What am I a fan of? Um, I'm into a raspberry right now, which is very sour, but... Sour beers are good. St. Arnold's raspberry.
4: I'm learning to like those.
6: Do you remember the very first
4: beer that you ever had?
6: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Tell (laughs) us about (laughs) it. That would be my dad's Budweiser. when i was very young wow. <laughs> very very young um be 5 at a crawfish boil nice but i'm from louisiana we do those things did your dad know about you having his budweiser he knew about the first part of it okay he didn't know about the rest of it so he was instigator so you, you know you give them sips when they're little it's cute until they run off with it
4: so what was your 5 year old impression of budweiser
6: i don't think i liked it much <laughs> i still continued to drink it but i didn't like much
4: so, tell us, how do you decide what to have on tap here at Providence?
6: We try to stick to Texas beers um, predominantly. We have to carry some of the big ones, so we do do that. But we like, because we have such a small area um, for coolers, we get to rotate our beers quite often, which is fun. Um, there's so many local breweries right now, it's hard to keep up with all of them, and it's hard to keep them all on tap. But we like to try to rotate them in as much as possible. Um, we just decide on what we carry by what we like. Okay. Mm, pretty much.
4: Well, I like the things you have. You have Yellow Rose, which is something I like quite a bit.
6: That's a staple. That's the fallback for everybody. As soon as they come in, they're like, what kind of beers do you have? And you go over the list and they always go back to Yellow Rose.
4: It's, just it's the best.
3: <laughs> it's good. So. Uh, tell us about the frozen old fashioned. Is that a recipe you brought or just created on the fly? Or? That is a recipe that took a couple
6: of weeks to create. Um, it so was. Because we have the Dream Crusher, which is a dream-sickle-flavored. We were looking for something that's more of a masculine frozen cocktail, if you will. Um, and so, if you think of masculine cocktails, you think old-fashioned, Manhattans. So, we tried with an old-fashioned. It's never been done before. So, we just kind of winged it.
4: You're we, killing it.
6: It's so good. We managed to get it pretty good. Um, now that we've gotten some of the alcohol out of it and it can freeze, um, that helps. So, but it's, it's actually very yummy.
3: Short description: It's an old fashioned from a margarita machine. Basically, is that a good way to describe it? It's a
6: frozen drink machine. It's an old yeah. fashioned and a frozen drink machine, which which people are a little taken aback by um, until they taste it and feel it, and what does it taste like? An old fashioned. So it's just so like good. an old fashioned, just frozen. But the best part about it is it doesn't water down because that's what's usually the problem with old fashions is they water down. You can't when there's no water in them.
4: If you make uh, a frozen Manhattan and you need some taste testers, I am right in the front of the line.
6: I want to do a Tom Collins next.
3: (laughs) Nice. Nice.
4: I'm in for that.
3: We'll see. So so as we're talking, we're sitting and set up for a ping pong tournament. Is that correct? Yes, we are. Is this your first ping pong tournament? It is. Tell us about that. Well, we don't really know
6: about that yet, and we're going to see how this goes. (laughs) Um, We uh, are hoping to have a really good turnout. We have people all the time ask us to do ping pong tournaments. Ping pong is a big draw here. Um, so we thought why not let's try it and see what happens on a Sunday afternoon so we'll let you know next time Smart.
4: So it's, I, I was looking at some of the other events that you had on your website and um, earlier in May you were looking for yard games and board games and you were going to trade beer and pizza are you going to do that again?
6: Uh, probably once we have had the side yard done um, not only are we doing the building on the side but we are going to expand to more of the yard space so we will have things like cornhole and horseshoes and, and fun things like that so we probably will do that. We've that's kind of been the theme of the entire bar. We've asked for people to, like the art on the walls is donated um, equipment from our friends. Like any sporting equipment that you're not using, bring it up. We'll figure out what to do with it.
2: Just just before we before we tune you out, because I know we got to get out of the way for the uh, ping pong tournament. What's the one thing you want people to know about this bar if they haven't been here?
6: Mm, that's a hard one. I don't. Do it. It's a lot of fun, and you should come here. It's um it's a really laid back um environment and we're all just a lot of fun. It's it's all good people. So far all of the people that have come in here and stayed have
3: been really good people. To me any place with couches is good with me. So.
0: <laughs> and dogs.
3: And, and Atari. And Atari. And a
0: really great barbecue sandwich.
6: Oh that's true. That's the, yeah, that's the other thing is that we do have really good food. People don't realize that. And our kitchens open until 2 a.m. which most places don't have a kitchen that's open that late. Seven days a week.
2: So. See. That's I, a good thing. To I, I nailed the question. You right did there. nail the question. I nailed the question. That's at right uh, right. Providence
3: on Twentieth. We're probably in, be- in between Ella and Shepard. Probably more toward the Ella side. Yep. Right uh, by Restaurant <laughs> Depot. Yeah. Welcome back to the Talk Beer Podcast. We are at Providence today on Twentieth Street in the Houston Heights. It used to be a wine bar they turned it into a pretty chill hangout spot I see a piano I see ping pong I see many vintage video games I like got Galaga and Pac-Man right to my left I can speak highly of the Frozen old fashioned And kind of an orange whip cocktail they have the it's, dream, it's the Dream Crusher Dream Crusher Served in a pint glass With wow. a big pile of whipped cream on top If you
2: enjoy a dreamsicle uh, You'll it, probably enjoy having your dreams crushed
3: Vodka is the liquor of choice, right? I just assumed it was sugar, sugar and vodka. <laughs> so before be- yeah. yes. before we get rolling on to some important Texas legislation regarding beer, I want to give a shout out to the Houston Hopcast. They're doing what we do, traveling around to breweries talking about beer. Um, we could possibly have them a guest sometime, or we could do an anchorman situation where we fight with clubs and sticks for podcast supremacy. B, B, and cologne, and cologne. Um, but. The Dark Mistress of Beer is here and she has an update for us on a rather important piece of Texas legislation. Tell us, Dark All Mistress. All right,
4: Jeff. It actually goes um, it goes with our guerrilla discussion that we were having earlier about craft beer and what's going on in the craft beer world. I think that some folks um, might say that it feels like the craft beer industry is a little bit under assault right now, um, what with the InBev takeovers and the House Bill 3287. So, House Bill Thirty Two Eighty Seven. The actual, like, the first few words of it are relating to the sale of ale and beer by certain brewery and manufacturers. Um, Best I can tell, this was introduced by Texas wholesaler trade groups, and it requires breweries who would who produce or will in the in the future one hundred seventy-five thousand barrels a year or more, and they want to keep a tap room open. It essentially Um, ends up being like a a tax room, a tap room task. Tax. Tap tap room tax.
2: Say that three times faster. (laughs) Just say it once. I want to hear you say it once.
4: Tap room tax. Oh. (laughs) Distributors would collect a fee for any beer that was sold. Um, So it seems to me it's sort of like you have to sell your beer to the distributor first and then buy it back and that becomes the tap room tax.
1: Sounds like they're double dipping on that. Sort
4: of. Um, what I also see, I thought, oh, maybe this is a bunch of Republicans. It's got 15 sponsors. Nine of them were Republican and six were Democrat. Um, and it actually it passed the House and it passed the Senate and went to the governor's desk on the 30th. So, as lovers of craft beer, what this tells me is that we need to be much better about advocating for what it is that we love and what it is that we think is important.
3: We like having breweries with taverns, we don't want them to be hindered in any way.
4: No, that would be very sad, um, because we have fun visiting Platypus, Eureka.
3: Thank you for the update, Dark Mistress, and speaking of updates, Meredith will now tell us a few things that are going on in Eastern Beer.
0: Well, as always, because it's Houston, we have a lot of beer activities. As Jeff mentioned earlier, St. Arnold is celebrating its 23rd anniversary. They're going to be having a party on June 10th at the brewery over on Lyons Avenue. Lots of beer, lots of local music, including Bun B. And I believe that tickets are still available $10 to $35 for the VIP tickets.
3: What do you get for VIP
0: Um, As usual, you get that souvenir glass that I know you want. I believe you get additional pours. And and some extra stuff as well. But really, that souvenir glass.
4: Okay.
0: Uh, June 15th, Beer Market Company, which is a nice place to drink and watch sporting events. They're having their third year anniversary on Studewood. And no no tickets for that. Just go to Beer Market Company and enjoy all the beer there. (laughs) Uh, June 21st, Beerfoot Brewery in Galveston. They're going to be having a uh, Property Brothers viewing party, uh, which sounds like a lot of fun. That's between 8 and 10. I don't believe there's any ticket price for that. And finally, on June 25th, Yoga and Hops is celebrating its third anniversary. They're going to be at Carbach Brewing for... A yoga class, and then you get to drink beer afterward. Ticket is twenty dollars.
3: I believe that's bring your own mat. Is that correct? Uh, oh, mats so.
0: mats are available, mm. um, but uh, bringing your own mat is recommended. Mm. Um, Golshan and I have uh, have attended yoga and hops before. You can find us on the back row.
1: I can see whether if you <coughs> reverse that and it was hops and yoga would add a degree in difficulty though.
0: Actually, it might make it easier. <laughs> it it <laughs> might make it a little bit easier, but it's an excellent incentive to get through the class knowing that there is beer at the end of that.
2: So I'm never going to go to hops and yoga. So, Are you sure? Um, I'm Sean so, wins. I don't care.
0: There's <laughs> yoga pants. I
1: don't care. There, there's question. three things that don't tell a lot children, drunk, and yoga pants. <laughs> That's
3: true. That's I true. need to weigh in here and say Billy has joined us. Billy's a good friend of ours from Midland. Also familiar with the Houston beer scene. You might remember him from our last session when we talked about the West Texas Beer Desert, which I've since heard that it really isn't a beer desert if you get up to Lubbock and Amarillo. And we will discuss that in a few minutes. We will.
2: I have a question about hops and yoga. So you go and you, I'm sorry, Yoga and Hops, you go to the place, and you pay them, and then is it like when you go to a brewery for a tasting, you get a couple pours, or it's just do yoga and then buy your beer?
0: No, so Yoga and Hops is a yoga studio that essentially holds all of their classes at Houston breweries, so on various days of the week, you can find them at Eighth Wonder on Fridays at I believe 6:30. You can happy hour do your yoga class at Platypus Brewing and Carbach. They're usually there on Sundays. So you pay twenty dollars for the yoga class, and at the end of that class, while you're reflecting on how wonderful or torturous the class was, in my case. Um, they come around and give beer tokens, and that is included in your $20 fee. Okay. Thank
6: you for
2: the clarity.
0: It's, it's well worth it if you want to do yoga.
5: So it's no Bikram yoga is what you're saying.
0: Well, depending on the brewery, um, I prefer Carbach because it's in a nice air-conditioned facility. The first time I did the class at 8th Wonder, not air-conditioned, it did feel like Bikram yoga.
3: That's hot yoga. Yes, very
0: hot, sweaty yoga. Not for me.
3: While we're discussing events, I just want to confirm this for everybody. If you're going to an event at a certain time, at a certain place, I don't care if it's beer, Faberge, egg painting, confirm it online or by a phone call because these events change, they get canceled, people don't show up, and you might show up just ready to drink beer and do nothing special, which would be a fine thing for any of us. Maybe you wanted to paint that Faberge egg, and your your hopes will be dashed. So. Did so, uh, you
4: have a Faberge disappointing
3: experience, Jeff? Every, everyone I've had has been <laughs> soul crushing, <laughs> <laughs> and in my career as a Faberge egg painter,
4: was it tragic? It's over.
3: I've turned my back on it. Tell us about Amarillo and Lubbock. Dun, Meredith. Dun, dun, uh, well,
0: I think we recently took a road trip, which um, from Houston, our first destination was Abilene, and I'm sorry to report that the Abilene Brewing Company, R.I.P., uh, they are no longer in existence. Don't
2: be sorry; they weren't we, good. We
0: we had stopped at um, oh, what was the name of that restaurant? Cypress Street Station or yeah. Cypress Station Street? And that was the place in town where you could get your Abilene beers. Uh, Apparently, we missed it by about a week. They are no longer brewing. And the waiter was hilarious (laughs) and gave us a very honest review that said, No, that's okay. You would have regretted it. We weren't very good at brewing beer. Um, Another place we visited in Amarillo is the Yellow City Street Food. Uh, They are not brewing their own beer, but um, they are an excellent place to drink beer. They were uh, making lots of really great tacos, and uh, you could even get brash on the menu there. This is where we learned some very important information about a band called Metalachi, because Metalachi was going to be performing in Amarillo, so they told us all about it, and we have since seen them. They're awesome. We saw them at
3: the Scout Bar in Clear Lake, which actually has a surprisingly good beer selection. Heavy also.
0: Metal Mariachi. They're a band out of Los Angeles. Highly recommend you listen to them while you're drinking beer.
3: shout-out to the trumpet player. He's six, foot six. he wears shoulder pads, and a codpiece that I think was a bird of some kind. Might have been a duckhead cod codpiece. I didn't D- look at the it. Just,
0: just a little disturbing. <laughs> Did
3: not look at the codpiece. And, and an I amazing, could not dru- look amazing away. trumpet player also. They were all very good musicians. They were all incredible I musicians. Be I believe that. that the violinist is a recent addition. I was reading some of their history and okay,
4: <laughs> that, that was a super super fun show.
3: Right. We had Metallica cover. We had uh, Journey, White Snake, Ozzy. I'm missing a few. Guns and Roses. Um, very nice. It was the
4: dream I didn't know I had.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so what
2: else did we have in C in CN West Texas? There was.
4: Um, we
0: spent a lot of time at the Imperial Tap room yes, in Canyon, uh, uh, again, not brewing their own beer, but had a great selection of Texas beers, Oklahoma beers. A uh, really chill place to hang out after a hard day of hiking in Can- Paladuro Canyon.
3: Canyon name for its proximity to Paladuro Canyon. Oh, how I did
2: think. we miss that one? it. The Imperial Tap Room. Uh, if you're anywhere near Paladuro Canyon, I mean that that's the spot. We actually had a we had a really great um, Airbnb, the Texas Stargazer. Uh, check them out if you're into Airbnb. A mile and a half from the yes. from the front door to Paladuro Canyon. And about a 10 minute drive to Canyon. And Canyon is a respectable little town. Um, We went to the Imperial Taproom a lot, but they have some other really,
3: really good options for food. Key question for these stops in West Texas your true mark of authenticity for a Texas brewery is do you have cornhole outside? Do they? Any of them? Nope.
0: I'm too busy uh, enjoying the air conditioning inside, so cornhole is not not really something I'm looking for. Right,
3: not on the radar. And but <laughs> well, now we'll have, now we'll have to check from now on. What's the growler fill situation at these places? So there was uh, the Imperial Tap Room. We we took a couple. They
2: yeah, were doing we got growlers there. and growlers. Oh, wow. wow, I'm um, impressed. So. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll take the growler, but I, you right. know, the growler is just so, so right on so many different levels. Yeah. Um, I hope they get this whole thing
3: straightened out. Like, I wonder what the North Carolina growler situation we're is. We're going to
2: find out. We're going to find, find
3: this out. So our team's heading, some of us are heading to North Carolina in August uh, for the Eclipse, and Asheville is well known for its beer, so we'll have a growler slash growler situation going. On. I think the, maybe the Whole Foods might even do growlers. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about
2: what we're going to do in terms of recording up there. It
3: might be At mobile unit, like the iPad, or some just run and gun. iPhone. Yeah, wherever you are, whoever it's you're a talking to. Lapel mic. Just stick a microphone yeah, in their yeah. face. The Whole Foods in I Asheville like has a very impressive beer. I mean, yeah. I think most of the Whole Foods in general is great for beer, but the one in Nashville is just like beer, Nirvana, theme park. Meredith, anything else that we missed from our West Texas
2: job? Well, I
1: think
0: you talked a little bit about Plains Brewing Company, uh, right. Mickey and his wife. Uh, this is his retirement plan. He started, she had gotten him one of those little, I think a Mr. Beer homebrew yep. kit, yep. and his love for brewing beer grew out of that. He, this is now his retirement plan. He's making one beer right now. It's an amber. It's pretty tasty. Well, it's uh, it was very great good. to sit around the table with him and his wife at the the brewery and sip on some ambers and watch him brew beer for the day.
2: Yeah, and he's you know we say he's making one beer, but he's got distribution. I mean, he's you know he's he's got people coming and, and pulling his kegs out. You can you can get his beer locally. Um, I can't remember did we get any when we were in Amarillo Uh,
0: no because we had already had too much at the brewery
3: (laughs) so so while we're talking West Texas Billy has joined us and you were part of our last podcast but since then what beer have you had that has really impressed you Even in the past twenty-four hours. Even in the past twenty-four
1: hours, there was uh, what was the beer at City Acre that? Oh wow. Oh. Spranger. Spri- yeah, yeah the,
0: the Springer. The
1: Springer. The Springer. I could probably bathe in. Wow, and, and, what kind of
3: beer is that? Spranger. <laughs> wow. It's good beer. Um, we'll, get, we'll
2: get back to you on that
1: one, John. Yeah, yeah it you
3: to yeah. talk about Springer. It was. It was kind
1: of the interesting thing. Was it was? Bar? It was typical. No. Yeah. And, it, I don't remember, but it was I not something that. I feel like it's a that,
0: springbok.
1: Yeah, uh, more in the like the traditional. Whatever form it is, of, it's
2: yeah. delicious. And that's a, that's a good 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 get, as Jeff says sometimes. It's yeah. a good get in yeah. the springer.
3: When they put this, our podcast in the Museum of <laughs> Broadcasting History, this will be our iconic moment at this time. <laughs> uh, i am looking it up for you there. <laughs> sprang. It is Sprang. Yeah. And it's called, it's a Marzen. The interesting Marzen, thing about so it's probably uh, like malty yeah. and chocolatey. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. no, that see. would be a Craft horrible. beer, food truck. Awesome idea. We're back at Providence on 20th Street in the Heights. This is a little scattershot type show. Lots of topics. Moving it along. Well, Sean, we missed you before on Carboc. Do you have something you would like to say?
4: Yes, I do have something I'd like to say about Carboc before I do that, I'd like to give a shout out to Great Dane Distillery. It's hurricane season, and yesterday I had a hurricane with locally made <laughs> rum. Meredith and I had an adventure yesterday and went out there to see what was going on.
0: And so, it is Houston's newest craft distillery. They're making silver, gold, and spiced rum. It's a family business and uh, Ian Mook and his family were celebrating the grand opening yesterday so lots of frozen drinks and uh, grandma was serving samples of rum. It was, rum. It was a, a pretty
4: pretty nice way to spend the day.
5: Have you all been to Yellow Rose Distillery yet?
4: Not yet. No, not yet.
5: That's worth a stop. Um,
4: so just my two cents on Carbach and how do I feel about it, I kind of feel like Michael, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. What I do know is that I've got a hoodie from there. No, I have two hoodies from there. I've got t-shirts from there. I love all of those. I love all of their beer. And then, for example, at the Metalachi concert, my choices were Karbach. There was possibly 8th Wonder. And then maybe like Bud Light, Miller Light. So what am I to do in a situation like that? Am I to be angry that InBev bought Karbach and Spite them and drink Bud Light? No, I'm going to happily drink some Hopadillo because I really like it a
5: lot. No doubt.
3: Our listeners far and wide, when InBev begins to distribute Carboc and you see Hopadillo in your store, you're going to want to scoop that up. It's a consistently a 4.5 star for me out of 5 stars. Probably the best thing Carboc has done. Anybody can test me on that. Um... Sympathy I think for the I think, Lager.
2: I think for why, yeah, simply for Sympathy the, for lager, the lager, lager is really really good for wide distribution though. Uh, you know, the Hapadilla is great. I I still just feel like the best beer they make they keep in that building, yeah. right? You know, and right. you and you got to go there to get
3: it. Your three-legged lab, your barrel Age stuff, yeah, your Hell Fighter.
2: Yeah, uh, they're doing they're doing some stuff there that's just ridiculous. I went there. It's been months now, and they. Had an experimental IPA, and I was like, "Well, what makes it experimental?" I was like, "Well, you know," and the guy tells me this long, sciencey story about this strain of hops that will never exist again. Right. Uh, and they got some of it, and they made beer, and, and I got we drink it. Yeah. 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 Nice. So, um, I
3: mean, opportunistic beer drinking.
4: The, I was gonna say, there's a lot of just there's a lot of nostalgia tied up with Carbach too. Like when I moved to this neighborhood, and started over. Um, they were mm-hmm. still, you know, they were still little and they were still making it and they didn't have a bright shiny building And we'd go out there and sit outside and drink beer and do Alamo Rolling Road So there's a lot of happy memories there A Christmas
3: story a Christmas at the story. brewery mm-hmm.
4: multiple times. We also yeah, saw Zombieland, Zombieland yeah. yeah.
5: Let me just say that even philosophically, I don't necessarily want to support carbach but I will. I mean, their beers are good. There special projects like their Cherries of Fire and some of those that they really did. I, I mean, now that they have the financial backing, hopefully they'll do more of that and make it worthwhile at least. Here's
2: the thing, Brian, Professor. You can't sit there with that facial hair. Okay. And talking about how, you know, you just don't want to. I, I just can't. I can't. You can't, I can't
4: even. Can't, I, can't look, even. I, mean, I can't even. I mean,
2: I I mean I the, point is,
5: the point is this. If you followed Carbach from the beginning... You heard them rail just as hard as anybody on the difficulties that they had finding space and everything else because of the big boys. And then they totally sold out to the people they complained about. And I and I don't, as a, as a business model, if I was them, would I take the millions of dollars? Yeah, I probably would. I'd probably take yeah. it and be happy and go home and not worry about what everybody complains about. As a beer drinker, as a beer fan, I have a different perspective than I do from the guys who are actually making the money on the sale. Sure. And so... I, I mean more power to them. I hope that they're I hope that they stay involved with the brewery. I hope they do the cool things that that made the brewery so good. But I don't necessarily have to I don't have the same love for the brewery as a fan that I used to have because of the decisions they made. And and I'm still going to buy their beer. I'm still going to like the stuff that they produce. It's good. But let's, it's different
2: now. Let's hear from the grown-up beard over there in the corner.
5: <laughs> on a on the grown-up beard. Uh,
2: you know, kind of
1: on a opposite note of that, somebody from not from the Houston area, um, I see the advantages of distribution, because in, in my region, uh, I mean, it was really difficult to, to see some of these, uh, you know, you had left hand, you know, you know, all sorts of different stuff like that, but, but uh, you know, with, with the larger distribution possibilities brings fans from
5: other regions. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I mean, my, my point is that if you're a City Acre or an Eighth Wonder or Platypus and you're thinking about competing not just with your peers but also with the big boys, suddenly a Carbach went from being on your team to being on the opposing team. And it, if you're talking about things like distribution space and... Being able to, I mean, and the the laws that we were talking about is a perfect example. The stuff that just went through the legislature totally helps the big boys, which now includes Carbach, at the expense of some of those
2: smaller players. See, I look at it like like when I when I hear what you're saying, and, but when I think about the fact that we know where they started and we know what they went for, in a way, I'd rather see this happen than the breweries that fail and don't make it. Right. You know, and and also I think that if I'm living in Houston, and I know the story of Carbach, and I'm thinking about starting a brewery, I think, okay, maybe I can make it too, you know, and so for the drinkers out there, it's better that we see big successes like Carbach and St. Arnold's, you know, St. Arnold's is still, you know, independent and doing their thing, but a lot of people, you know, let's let's rewind to before all this, we've had conversations on this podcast where where craft beer drinkers in Houston look down their nose at St. Arnold, and they didn't sell out; they just got big. You know, it's it's like everybody wants a craft beer just to be this tiny brewery, mom and pop kind of, you know, romantic local thing. And I'm like, you know, get yours, you know, go get yours, and keep making beer, and I'm gonna keep drinking it. Um, you know, and, and and that's kind of the troubling thing to me. It, it's just, it, you know, why wouldn't why wouldn't we support somebody who who came up and made it local like like we should be we should be looking at them as kind of you know local heroes in a way only
5: because they make it more difficult for the other locals to come up and that's that's the thing that I think makes the difference. I mean, the, the good thing right now is that the way that the craft beer scene is in Houston, you have your Krogers and your hEBs who know that there's people out there looking for the next big thing. and so right now you can still go and you can find back Pew and you can find. Eleven below, and you can find those, you know, those other craft beers from Houston in the grocery store if you go to the right places. You can go to Specs and you
2: can find it, but but that that, but that experience may not last forever. It may not. But right now, is there any slowdown in craft beer availability? Or or you know, I mean, we can go anywhere we want in this town uh, and find a good place to have craft beer. We went when we went to see Metalachi in Clear Lake. um, Nobi went to Nobi. My God,
3: what was that? hundred taps i believe and, yeah. yeah that's probably conservative plus super fresh stuff and so a things,
0: basket of fried, fried pork yes
3: <laughs> things you probably can't find many yeah. other bars yeah. here you the know other, the other side of that
1: is i would and to be perfectly honest on social media uh if it wasn't for car rock i wouldn't have known about the house bill coming up and trying to get the word out they're the only ones i've seen trying to get the word out about, hey, we really kind of need to squash this thing or, or try to let your legislators know. And uh, I would hope that as coming from a small, uh, going uh, on to the bigger stage, they would kind of still use their, now they have a bigger voice to try to help that along, to, to try to keep the uh, the difficulties for the small breweries
3: Uh, Some Some big picture thinking here This carbuck change really affects The bottles and cans a lot more Than the kegs that get rolled out to the local bars Uh, You're still going to see Lone Pint, 11 Below Eureka Heights at these places And they're not going to get shut out Because the people who own these bars Believe in craft beer, believe in innovation Believe in experimentation And they will still commit space at their bars To this, even though you might not see As many of them at the grocery store
2: Okay, so nobody took the bait when I was making fun of Brian's facial hair. Let's talk about it.
3: Let's talk about Brian. <laughs> we're, we're thinking you're moving toward the Salvador Dali with the wide I'm a wide. I'm a little concerned. Yeah,
2: I'm a little concerned, and and I articulated this while we were at Metalachi, and, and my concern was misunderstood. I said, no, I'm not, I'm not hating, I'm not bashing. I said it just looks like he's he's leaning towards a handlebar.
5: It's it that way.
2: Okay, nice. <laughs> so so here's the thing. Now, when I say that. I want to
5: say this within limits. I mean, Sarah has not said much about the whole situation. She's a good woman. <laughs> the
2: situation, except so except
5: this, from a, now on, this is going to be called the, the, situation. S- the situation. Except for the fact that she does not want the mustache to be curled too much. To really, what? she doesn't want it curled at all. Oh. But she doesn't want it to be like a uh, a villain, right? She doesn't want it to be like the you know. <laughs> old Thank you, Sarah. See, so I have someone in my corner here for you. I, I appreciate it. I don't that. know. I don't know. Good... I I don't think this is going to last through summer. I think the heat's going to pretty much kill this look, but I'm going to roll with Billy's it Billy's got, now. like, that Jedi night beard
1: over there. Right? <laughs> the whole Aww. Billy beard. Well,
2: I can... well, that's definitely a grown-up beard. We don't even know what this is over here. <laughs> Sean's not on the microphone to defend himself, so... <laughs>
5: I can't. I can't grow the full beard. This is why part of the reason I have the goatee. The other thing is with my job, they require that you have it well groomed. Mm-hmm. And so, what's more well groomed than having a mustache you that's waxed what? and curled? That's I mean, right, that, right? Is, that, was, argue with that. that is that uh, the is the almost to of the, the point burning. of fussy, right? Yeah.
3: So it's you know.
2: Okay. Okay. See, I was right. He's heading that way. This is
3: what I thought. Big shout out to Providence for hosting us today. As always, keep up with us on social media. You know where to find us, Talk.Beer, on all your favorite locations. Um, Start thinking about IPAs because we're an IPA Day episode probably here within a month or two. IPA Day is in early August. We're hitting the road. If you want us to come to your location, your bar, or your brewery, talk.beer at gmail.com.